I'm sure you join me in uh, some, something beyond a thank you for what God gives us through our musicians. Uh, last night I heard Joy to the World and I've been getting, twisting Doug's arm that that just five times isn't enough for me to hear that in the five services. So I've asked him to do it seven times for Christmas Eve. I don't know if that's going to work out, but you know, Doug was um, telling me that he was awake till the wee hours last night going back over the service. And I, I, I thought that highlighted a truth you need to know that the purpose of this service is not to give a perfect performance. The purpose of this service is to give an excellent offering to Jesus Christ. We think he deserves the very best. And in so doing, we all benefit. And I'm hoping and praying that because you came this morning, that your Christmas will be richer and perhaps based upon the deepest meaning of Christmas, which is to do in our time what Jesus did in his because he now lives in us. And we're going to tell you <clears throat> this morning, scripturally, how you might find the joy of Christmas if you're still perhaps searching for it. Germane to that, if you're a guest here or haven't been coming too long, perhaps you don't know what this wreath is, and I like to remind people every year what it is as a, a, a source of hope. Years ago, we gave rosebuds out at Christmas time, symbolizing that everybody took one, their little plastic ones, that you keep this until an impossible possibility happens in your life, some prayer need that right now you don't know how God's going to answer it, but when he does, send me a letter, tell me what happened, and we'll put this as a monument to God's answer to your prayer. And will you look at all of those hundreds of rosebuds? In fact, we have so many, some of them have to go on our Easter cross, but they've been coming in as late as last Thursday. After seven, eight years, people waiting for prayers to be answered. And I wanted to give that sort of as a little preview that as I'm talking this morning about finding joy in Christmas, perhaps not in having our needs and wants met, understand God still is concerned about your needs, perhaps your pain this Christmas, and maybe you're still waiting. And keep looking at this as a symbol. God isn't finished yet, that he has a plan. Meanwhile, you can be doing some things for him this year. Maybe it'll get clearer now as we go into the message. Would you bow with me in prayer? Lord, we consider it such a high privilege to sit in this place. I think of Christians all over the world, many of them in hiding because of persecution, many of them in such poverty they can't even afford a building. Here we are surrounded by such luxury and such beauty. And Lord, the only thing we can respond is to whom much is given, much is expected. And I pray you'll make us good stewards of the blessings we receive here today. Give us the heart, the servant heart of Jesus. We pray in his name. Amen. Last Friday night, our executive staff was treated to a wonderful Christmas party dinner. And we decided that as a staff, we'd do something we don't often do. We just dressed right up to the hilt. And you know, we don't dress up too often. And I wanted to encourage the congregation in knowing that we clean up very well. It was a, a wonderful party. We looked good. We were wearing our Christmas best. And it brought to mind our message for today, because if you listen to the text, you're going to find that clothing is a metaphor Paul uses in our text. And I want to think about some patterns of behavior that we might wear to attend our Lord's birthday party. A metaphor not stretched too far, because it's actually right there in our text. It's interesting, Paul uses the word clothe when he writes, therefore, as God's chosen people, Holy and dearly loved, clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, 
humility, gentleness, and patience. Maybe you're trying to decide what outfit, what attitude you're going to wear this Christmas. You're trying to decide whether you're going to look inside and perhaps to your needs and pains and wants that aren't going to be satisfied. Or maybe you could choose another part of the wardrobe to look out to someone who has needs bigger than you. And you know how you decide is going to really depend on what kind of an experience you have at our Lord's birthday party. So let's look at our text. First, we learn that Christmas spirit is more than a feeling. It's something we do. Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Thinking of Christmas only as a feeling, which most Americans do in the secular world, because that's what our culture teaches us to do, to think of it as a feeling directs our thoughts really two ways, either to our pain this Christmas as to why we can't be merry, or to the past, fond memories of family and parties, shopping, worship services, happenings we'd love to recapture if we could. And this thought is expressed in songs like, I'm dreaming of a white Christmas, just like the ones I used to know. Or I'll be home for Christmas if only in my dreams. You know, if we view Christmas only as a feeling, it's going to reinforce a very sad truth that could depress you if you think deep enough about it. And that is, we can't go home again. We can't go back. That's over. It's it's like trying to put on childhood clothes that no longer fit, and it's just frustrating. But you see, our text is offering us a glorious alternative and a truth that Christmas is so much more than a feeling. It's so much more than something of a nostalgic past. It unveils in our text a wardrobe of loving behavior tailored for the adult Christian who wants to live in the present and the future and celebrate our Lord's birthday the way our Lord would want it celebrated. And the question is, what would motivate us to put on behavior of doing good for others and getting the focus off of ourselves? And our text gives a rather remarkable answer. Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved. I want you to think about that because it's easy to gloss over. Do you know who you are this morning? If you're here and you're a Christian, you were chosen before the foundation of the world. Before you were even thought about, God chose you and loved you. And he loves you dearly. And Jesus came to save the whole world, but he came to save you. For God so loved the world, he so loved you that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him will not perish but have everlasting life. That's the classical message of Christmas that we better never get too accustomed to hearing. You see, once we're reminded that Christmas is about our adoption into God's family, that we, God chose us, he wanted us, we're dear to him, inevitably we'll want to adopt behavior that relates to our new status as God's adopted child. So we'll want to clothe ourselves with the character wardrobe of Jesus himself. And those include things like compassion and kindness and humility and gentleness and patience. And if you think about it, that's the Christmas spirit. Even the secular world would agree. The problem is, where do you find the power to do that kind of thing? Once we realize that God gave to us the first Christmas, we can't help but model, I think, the most basic truth we've been struggling to understand since we were children. We 
perhaps understand it, but we don't believe it. And, and this is the truth. It really is more blessed to give than to receive. Good parents have been trying to teach us that. I, mine had for, since I could hardly talk. But you know, I have been struggling a lifetime to believe it enough that I can really practice it totally. That it really is more blessed to perform acts of compassion, kindness for others than it is to have someone do for me. And I hardly need to remind us that our world is still thirsty and hungry, even desperate for our Lord's self-giving love. And the only source of that is going to be through vehicles like you and me, Christians, through whom Jesus can pour himself out into that needy world. Everybody else is all wrapped up in their own agendas, all looking out for number one. And we're called to be a Christian distinctive, a group of God's adopted children in the midst of the world living differently. Once we get involved in doing for others, I need to tell you, this isn't a, a, a trip to despair, it's a trip to joy. We discover a joy that is so much more than merely a holiday focused on having our needs met, having good feelings. Last week, if you were here, you heard Scott talk about God giving us for Christmas what we need, not what we want. And I was so impressed when he said, that's sometimes like asking God for a Porsche and he gives us a pair of socks, remember? <laughs> Uh, his remarks triggered a, a very vivid memory in my past. I think I was about five or six. And, and one Christmas morning, I was feeling very sad for my grandma. We were all opening presents. And grandma received these little packages that had some hankies and warm socks and slippers. And she seemed so thankful for those little tiny gifts. And then I remembered how grandma lit up when my dad pulled in this beautiful red wagon into the living room that was for me. And as far as I was concerned, it might as well have been a Porsche. I thought nothing in this world would ever make me as happy as having that red radio flyer wagon. But you know, I, I also remember when Scott made the remark, I thought to myself, I hope I never get so old that all I get for Christmas are some socks and handkerchiefs, you know? <laughs> that really depressed me. But you see, I was a child and that's how children think. Christmas meant nothing more than getting some toys for me, and the more the better. And then, unfortunately, as we grow up, some of us stay childish, and the only thing that changes is the, is the price tag on the toys. I didn't understand Grandma's deeper joy in watching my wants being fulfilled. But the truth of Christmas is that Christmas is not about us. It's not about finding warm, cozy, nostalgic feelings of the past, having our needs list met. In fact, Christmas is just the opposite. If you want to find the spirit of Christmas and the joy, we're called by God himself to leave the comfort zones of self and take the adventure of getting involved in human need. That's what it's about. And we're going to just kind of keep preaching on that subject until we venture to do it. Eugene Peterson tells the story of John Muir, an explorer of the western shores of our country. And in 1874, he built a cabin in the Sierras, and it was a place from which to tread into the wilderness and then return for a comforting cup of tea, he said in his diary. Well, one December day, a big storm hit, and it was bending the pines as if they were blades of grass, and it was just for such times that that cabin had been built, cozy protection from the harsh elements with a fire blazing, wrapped in warm sheepskins, riding out the storm. 
But interestingly, Muir, that day, instead of retreating to his cozy cabin for protection, ventured into the storm. And he writes how he climbed a, a giant tree and he experienced the color and the excitement and the scent and the sheer power of the wind racing through that tree, racing by his face. And as he was holding on for dear life, at the perched at the top of that tree, right in the storm. And when I read this story, it illustrated to me the adventure for which I believe our church family is now ready, or I wouldn't have even chosen this for a Christmas sermon. Most of us know the joy of Christmas by this time will never be found in our cozy comfort zones. We've tried it, we've been there, we've done that. And I believe the Holy Spirit is motivating us to a new form of ministry that will lead us to venture beyond our agendas and our cozy whatever and somewhere this year touch and get involved in human need because that's what Christmas is about. Muir climbed a tree to experience the excitement of a winter storm rather than hiding in his cozy cabin, and that was more rewarding for him than the comfort of the cabin. And I think that's illustrative of what's going to happen to us this year. I think we need to look for something more than having a little Merry Christmas for ourselves. You see, to focus on Christmas as a time to do for others will make the season more than a nuisance of full calendars and boring parties and frustrating shopping trips and loneliness, which many of us feel. And just maybe, if we can grow up to see Christmas as an opportunity to serve others, get beyond our childish joy and getting only for me, that perspective might carry into the new year. That's my prayer. And it will give an answer to the question raised by this song made famous by Elvis Presley that I used for my sermon title, Why Can't Every Day Be Like Christmas? That's a good question. You see, if this year your family and your health and your financial situation and your relationships are all fouled up, that sadness doesn't mean that you can't have a joy-filled Christmas. God isn't finished with you yet, but at least for a while he wants you to get off what he isn't finished with and, and get your focus on the need of someone else. And you, if you try that adventure of, listening, of, of kind of reaching beyond your own needs list with a commitment to make someone else happy this year who has bigger problems than you have, I, I, I give you a guarantee of a miracle. A miracle of joy will happen to you. You'll be surprised by joy. And don't doubt it until you've tried it because Jesus says it's true. Now, obviously, we can't change our Christmas focus from self to others in our own strength, and that's the problem. We try, but it's so hard to grow beyond being childish. But God can do it if we ask him in prayer to bring about this transformation, this new maturity to our hearts. So let me add live a possible prayer that you might want to think about giving this year if you feel caught still in the high chair of childishness. Lord, let my joy this Christmas be found in creating joy for others. Enable me to serve rather than seek to be served. Help me to stop worrying about whether or not my Christmas is going to make me happy. Assure me that enriching someone else those needs are great, whose needs are greater than my own will enable me to find the true spirit of the season. I believe God will answer that prayer. 
You see, it's so difficult to really pray it though and want it to happen because everything in our culture is trying to sell us on the myth that self-indulgence is the secret for discovering joy. They didn't understand. Our, our culture doesn't understand my grandma's mentality of joy when I got the wagon. Our culture says we still want all the toys and we don't want socks for Christmas. We want something bigger and better that'll meet my needs. And you know, that's a lie. Christmas joy is never found in self-indulgence. It never will be, never has been. It will only be found in doing what Jesus did when he came to the world, and that's doing for others. And you already know that, and I do. But this year, we just need to be reminded of what we know. So in closing, I want to give you a list of some specifics from our text about clothing ourselves with certain character qualities of Christ's love. And I would call this a, a potential wardrobe you can wear to Christ's party this year. Bear with each other. Forgive what other grievances you may have against one another. Forgive as the Lord forgave you. And over all these virtues, put on love, which binds them all together in perfect unity. So here's the wardrobe. Ask God to lay upon your heart some spontaneous act of kindness that you can do for some unlikely person. Get proactive in a relationship where patience and forgiveness and gentleness and compassion need to be blended together in an act of love and forgiveness. Some area of brokenness, you take the initiative, you take the first step to heal it. Get involved in one of our Christmas outreach ministries to the community listed in your Pioneer. This just isn't a piece of paper. It's a possible roadmap to joy for you this year. By the way, if you really take it literally on the issue of calling for shut-ins, there's a phone number. It's an error, and you're going to drive one family in Menlo Park crazy if you call it. Will you call the church? But I do want you to get interested in our shut-ins. And then, and this is so important, discipline your thoughts to walk out of any pity party holding you captive today. Get beyond your feelings into thinking about the needs of others. And you'll be surprised by joy. Invite someone to church or into your home this Christmas. And then if you want to start this morning, reach out and hug someone who's lonely. There's many of us here. None of us ever get enough hugs. And in a big place like this, a lot of people drop in and it looks just like a great big crowd and we need to let them know their family. So I guess what we're suggesting here today, let's change the paradigm of Christmas. It's not about having our own merry little Christmas or sitting by an open fire and all the other myths that sound good that really have very little to do with joy. And let's try celebrating Christmas by bringing the love of Jesus into that part of the world that won't be touched with his love unless we bring it. And we've all been strategically placed somewhere in the Bay Area where between now and Christmas, we can give it the touch of Christ's love. And the miracle of Christmas is that Jesus will still enter the world's darkness of need this year. This time, not in the manger, but through the miracle, the, the vehicle of your life and mine, as incredible as that might sound, Jesus will come into our world this Christmas. And we have the greatest gift to share something everybody needs, it's Jesus. I have this description of Jesus on my desk. A rock when you need someone to talk to. A sustainer when you're running out of strength. A friend 
when everyone else has failed you. A redeemer, when you have nothing to give. A counselor, when you need someone to talk to. A creator, when you need new life. A father, when you need a firm but gentle hand. A savior, when you need a love that won't ever fail. A healer, when life hurts. Jesus is everything we need. He came to us. And now we have the joy of taking him to our neighbor. Care enough this year to share his love. Jesus said, I was hungry and you gave me food. I was thirsty and you gave me drink. I was a stranger and you took me in. I was in prison and you came to me. Assuredly, I say to you, inasmuch as you did it to one of the least of these, my brethren, you did it to me. That's the spirit of Christmas. Follow this wisdom. Every day will be like Christmas. That's my prayer for you, for us as a church family. Let's bow in prayer. Lord, sometimes it's hard to hear what we need to hear. But we bang our heads against the futile wall of trying to find joy in Christmas by having our own agendas met. This year, God, open our eyes to our neighbor's need and surprise us with joy. We pray in Christ's name. Amen.